Chum. Yes, hello, it's Chappie, the British butler. And welcome to Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. It's episode number 36. You're very welcome to it. Uh, we're going to give you a full um, podcast examination today. We're going to try to find your funny bone, and we're going to be using a various, uh, a variety amount of uh, probes, uh, trying to uh, find what you find funny and possibly what you don't find funny over the course of the next hour or so. Um, we have reached uh, 36. Uh, I can count. I have been trained to count. Um, it's not a strong suit, I have to admit, um, but it is something I can do, and I've looked through every episode of the podcast, and there are actually now, including this one, 36 episodes. How did we make it this far, you ask me? Well, I'm not entirely sure. Um, maybe I'm just sitting here talking to myself most weeks. Um, but, you know, I, I, get, I, get, I get a fair amount of feedback from some of our uh, people all around the world. Um, some good, some bad, and some very ugly. And some of the things that we'll be talking about today, uh, along with our usual features, we have Scallywag Darts, where we delve into the most uh, heinous headline crimes of the week, and we equate it to a darts game. So you have a missing the board, a triple 20, a bullseye and chappy special prize. Uh, we also have uh, some uh, historical Tinder, where we look at probably a despot, um, and uh, what's he done? Does he have any obsessions or delectations or anything along those lines and we uh, try to equate it to a game of Tinder but it's not a swipe right or a swipe left it's actually a, normally an axe a swing to the right or a guillotine uh, coming down to the right or the left it depends which side you hang you hang on the right or the left I suppose if you're a, uh, a monarch or um, a historical despot um, and um, you know, we, we also will have a, a lot of fun and games over the way. I'm uh, I'm surrounded by a bed of hounds at the moment. And my mind's already wandering to other animal collectives. Um, you have a troop or shrewdness of apes, a troop or flange of baboons, a seat of badgers, a colony of bats, a sleuth of bears, a colony of beavers, a suit of bloodhounds, a sounder of boars, uh, abstinential gang of buffalo, a caravan of camels, a mob of cattle, a herd or parcel of deer, uh, a pod of dolphins, a pace of donkeys, uh, I think you get the picture here, a leash or skulk of foxes, um, an array of hedgehogs, and a thunder or bloat of hippopotamuses. Anyway, so, so some of the things that we may or may not be uh, discussing or, or talking about on the podcast today. I, I, I gave you the rather lamentable tale of an old Trump pence sign that was discarded down into a, a load of bush and scrub and uh, wild weeds by the river. Um, I, I've come up with an ingenious thing that we can do to actually recycle it. Um, also, uh, more uh, more issues with the whole social dilemma thing. Uh, I'm on Instagram. And I keep getting uh, advertisements from things that I never knew Instagram knew that I liked. And it's getting very suspicious and they're very, very scary as well. Um, so there's more of that uh, coming this week. Um, also, I'm French but lived in the US for more than a decade. These are weird American quirks I still think about. A little, uh, little list of uh, weird American quirks, basically, that uh, 
probably only foreigners would realize and Americans don't realize that they do. Um, also, how light reflecting white paint can help save the planet. I think we had that again last week. Uh, Julius Caesar assassination coins sell for a record amount. The psychology behind a dog's happiness comes down to one key factor. Uh, Madame Tussauds in Berlin dumps Donald Trump's wax figure um, after the election results here. And um, geolo geologists quest for Whitby jet test marks a black day for fake gems. Wood-eating beetles make guitar fanatics gently weep. Um, Kim Kardashian can keep her bling in her party island. All I want is my old life back. Uh, apparently mammals would like to cuddle for 76 million years. And New York grounded Santa's get ready for a grotto Christmas via Zoom. And uh, very important news, sausage tycoon Vladimir Maradov killed in the sauna with a crossbow. Hopefully it wasn't shocking the sausage. Uh, earwax could hold the key to a test for clinical depression apparently as well. So as I said, these are some of the things that we may or not be talking about. You know, some of these stories recur week on week, and you know what? We'll eventually get round to them. As I said, welcome along to the podcast. Make yourself comfortable, relax, have your favorite uh, cup of hot chocolate. By the way, I found in the week that uh, I think as a spoonful of Nutella does make the medicine go down. A spoonful of Nutella in a hot chocolate, you have the mo most decadent elixir treat you're ever going to drink. I mean, it's it, it's almost straight from Augustus Gloop's chocolate fountain. That's how good it is. I mean, you could, uh, I could, I think you could rejuvenate the dead, uh, bring them back to life with just a whiff or sip of this hot chocolate. Forget smelling salts. A spoonful of Nutella in the hot chocolate could revive Tutankhamun. I guarantee it. He would come back from the dead. He would bring all his animals back as well from the dead to just to taste a little bit of this most decadent, delicious hot chocolate. Okay, so lived in the front, uh, lived in the U.S. for almost a decade, and these are some of the weird American quirks that I still think about. Lovely piece that I read in the week: uh, non-adjustable shower heads. How do you clean your butt with these things? Uh, being carded when you're old enough to be an AARP member. Uh, being able to buy prescription drugs, a pack of beer, cigarettes and candies, all from a pharmacy. Asking, how are you? When you just mean, hello, and don't want to know how the person is. Uh, serving water, ice, no matter what the weather or the season. Uh, waiters constantly checking in on you on the restaurants. And also refilling your glass every few minutes. The concerning number of flags. Having to share a room with someone in college, the insane number of commercial breaks on television, having to tip everywhere, all the dances in high schools, 
being able to vote at 18 but not being allowed to drink, the size of your cars and the size of your highways too, all the crazy commercials for prescription drugs, the massive amounts of portions at restaurants, the huge gap around the doors and public bathroom stores. You don't want to see anybody going to do the number two or number one or anything. Why would the gaps be there? The overuse of air conditioning, the huge glasses of wine, prices being listed before tax, all the subway and highway ads for lawyers and doctors, uh, writing your dates weirdly, around the wrong way, calling this crime against cheese mozzarella, the finely shredded mozzarella thing that uh, looks like you've just grated your feet, uh, not using the metric system, uh, using Fahrenheit instead of Celsius, uh, selling everything in tons of different flavors, putting rugs into kitchens, the fact that all of your banknotes look the same, the obsession with flavored lattes and frappes, laws changing from state to state, easy cheese out of a can, people going food shopping in their PJs, calling uh, North American competitions the World Series, uh, calling insipid uh, white um, crusty or not so crusty bread French bread. Oh my gosh. And you can go on and on and on and on and on. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Let's call the whole thing off. So the psychology behind dogs' happiness comes down to one key factor. I think we've all discovered one positive amid the pandemic. Love working with a few dogs between my feet, as long as they're not chewing my slippers, which does happen quite regularly. This piece by Emily Furlong, uh, she actually studies dog behavior. So what is Charlie learning when he stops to sniff the crisp autumn air? What is Cleo thinking when she stares at me whilst I write, are my dogs happy? I'm not alone in finding myself suddenly spending more time with my dogs, contemplating what's on their minds. More people in the US are working from home now, and they're working in the workplace uh, that may share an office, home offices with their canine companions. What is more, they're finding their lives enriched with the addition of a new pet as people started adopting dogs at massive rates. This uptick in dog time means... Um, a couple of questions are arising from new experienced dog owners alike about their companions' mentalities. Many questions center on the same themes. What is my dog thinking? Am I doing everything I can to ensure my pup is content? Fortunately, uh, though, research on dog therapy can help unravel what is on their minds, providing, providing insight into what they need uh, for psychologically fulfilling and happy lives. Dogs are both familiar and yet fascinating, fascinatingly alien. To appreciate the otherness you need to do is seriously consider their sensory worlds. Dogs have very different experiences when we walk a trail. They marvel at the we marvel at the beautiful autumn days, but dogs have their heads to the ground, seemingly ignoring the wonders around them. However, they are appreciating something that we can't perceive. The scent of a fox who scampered through last night, the lingering odor of a dog who walked their way in the footsteps of their neighbor. Um, who last wore her hiking shoes in woods where my dogs have never visited. You've probably heard about dogs who sniff out cancer, weapons, or even the coronavirus. These dogs are not special in their nose power. Your dog could do the same thing. In fact, the first dog to sniff out cancer sniffed a mole on his owner's leg so frequently 
that she went to the dermatologist and it was diagnosed as a melanoma. A dog's sense of smell is estimated to be 10,000 to 100,000 times better than a human. This is due in large part to staggering differences in odor processing humans and dogs. While we have about 6 million um, receptors, dogs have a staggering 300 million. Uh, their nasal tissue is about 30 times larger than ours, and while people have 12 million and 40 million neurons, specialized cells involved in transmitting odor information to the brain, dogs depend, it depends on their breed. They can have 220 million to 2 billion. How can you conceptualize this breathtaking uh, difference in abilities? This disparity is like detecting one teaspoon of sugar in enough water to fill two Olympic-sized swimming pools. Um, love is mutual, though. There's parts of a dog's mind that are alien. There are also parts that feel very familiar. Chances are that your dog occupies a special place in your heart. Recent research suggests your dog feels the same way about you. The dog adores you. Uh, dogs attached to their owners in much the same way human infants attach to their parents. Like babies, dogs show distress when left with a stranger and rush to reunite upon the person's return. A recent study found that dogs have been deprived uh, of food and owners choose to greet their owners before eating. Further, their brain's reward centers light up upon smelling their owners. And when your eyes meet your dogs, both your brains release oxytocin, known as a cuddle hormone. All this research shows that you can make your dog happier just with, with just one ingredient. Make more eye contact to release that cuddle hormone, touch it more, a dog's like pats better than treats, and go ahead and baby talk to your dog. It draws your dog's attention to you more and may strengthen your bond. It makes me think, though, I mean, if we had these receptors in our nasal passages, um, we, we, maybe we wouldn't be so friendly to strangers. If they, if, you know, I mean, dogs go and smell each other's asses. So uh, just imagine if we did the same thing and we went up to strangers and smelt their asses. Uh, some would be so rancid and insipid that we would never go near them again. Um, I'm just wondering if, if 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 a person is pretty awful, rancid, and insipid, if you would uh, if their if their ass probably smells rancid and insipid as well, or do all asses smell rancid and insipid? I don't know. Anyway, um, but it, it does make you think uh, that we'd be a little bit more choosy where we put our noses if we had those same sort of receptors. So apparently, the Waxwork Museum, Madame Tussauds in Berlin, dumps Donald Trump's figure even ahead of the election day. Uh, the wax figure was accompanied by trash bags and a dumpster uh, before employees wheeled it off to the showroom floor. Madame Dussault in Berlin is dumping Donald Trump, literally. The European Wax Museum wheeled its figure of Trump uh, off to its uh, show floor, off its show floor as apparently uh, a preparatory measure in case of uh, the election result, which of course he lost. Uh, today's activity is rather symbolic character ahead of the uh, elections in the United States, said the museum market manager, uh, Orkai Jashardag, in a statement to Reuters. Jashardag said, We here in Madame Tussauds Berlin removed Donald Trump's waxwork as a preparatory measure. In footage obtained by Reuters, Trump's wax figure was placed in the giant trash bin along with signs that said, Fake news, I love Berlin and you're fired. Um, I'm just wondering what, I mean, did, did they melt Trump down head first? Um, I would have kept the wig, though. I mean, there's, there's people out there that would love to uh, get that weave and put it on. Um, I mean, I, I definitely would have uh, kept the wig. Um, I, I mean, I'm wondering if they had to, you know, to get that orangey Cheeto look look uh, about the Trump waxwork, if they 
maybe they ground up Cheetos and, and rubbed it into Trump's visage um, to get that, uh, that, that that sort of orange flavor, that, that sort of uh, orangina tango type flavor, like you've been tangoed. Um, I would also, I'd love to, um, you know, keep those small wax hands and, and use them maybe to hold an umbrella instead of a stand or something along those lines. You know, we have to recycle where we can. I mean, are they going to wait for another Trump-like figure to come along and sort of you know, remold the head or put a different head on Trump's body if in the future we have another populist, slightly obese world leader? Is that how they recycle them? Do they put them down in the basement and, um, you know, wait till, um, you know, Khrushchev comes along or somebody along those lines uh, that we can reuse the old Trump waxwork body? So airlines are really suffering at the moment. Obviously, um, they have to do the social distancing. There's a lot of space between some of the seats and some of the planes are actually even packed. So that's not always the case. Uh, but apparently somebody just flew on Delta and what the crew did when they landed was completely unexpected. Um, there's been, you know, there's never been a more important time to create a personal connection with your customers. Um, in the last few months, um, when this lady got on the plane, it wasn't scary. It was completely different, but not scary. Uh, the, the writer of this article flew into New York City on Delta. Um, and, you know, Delta, and along with many other airlines, are trying to keep people safe, uh, including restricting the middle seat on flights to reduce the number of people on the flight. Um, but that's not the point, you know, the, the, the safety measures they're doing. On this particular trip, um, the, the remarkable thing happened after they landed. As the plane approached the gate at LaGuardia Airport, the crew did something you might not expect, especially at a time when uh, many of us, you know, have grown apart using social distancing. Uh, then again, the last thing you want between you and your customers is distance. Stay safe, six foot apart is important than wearing a mask. Both of these things as a metaphor, however, are the opposite of the ultimate goal, which is to create a relationship with your customers. Relationships require touch points, even if, uh, even if they're not physical ones. So what happened in this occasion is, um, and what makes the flight so remarkable in this, uh, this case and what Delta are doing, before we reached the gate, the flight attendant came around and delivered handwritten notes. The note was a simple but honest um, note, uh, which what it said was far less significant, the fact that it was personalized and handwritten. Maybe it's just because there are fewer people traveling right now, so the crew had time to do something like this. But they think there's something, you know, there's something, uh, there's something more to it. And, and the note was, you know, was very, very interesting. And it said, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for flying with us today. Thank you for being um, a silver medallion with us. It was true, it was true that our passengers um, like you make the job not only great, but also make Delta the airline that it is today. Thank you very much for your continued loyalty, all the best and safe travels. And then it has the flight attendant's name. And it's this personal touch that maybe we've been missing um, of late over the last 20 or 30 years as we've had cell phones of our head, head, uh, head down into cell phones and computers and laptops and iPads and everything else. But it's this little human touch that, you know, we've been missing um, over the course of the last six months. That with the news this week, with the, the vaccine from Pfizer that's coming out, that could 
maybe maybe spring or summer next year return our lives to normal. But these people are out on the front line. They're doing a hell of a job. You know, whether it's people delivering food, whether it's people, uh, flight attendants on airlines, uh, people delivering packages to us. And we have to definitely celebrate that. But that little small human touch was a wondrous and marvellous thing. So wood-eating beetles make guitar fanatics gently weep. Will another ca casualty of climate change be rock and roll? John Lennon played a Fender guitar on the Beatles album Rubber Soul. George Harrison played one on Abbey Road. Yet today's uh, one of most America's most celebrated guitar manufacturers is being uh, readily associated with Beatles. An invasion of emerald ash borer beetle, compounded by the effects of climate change, is causing a shortage of wood that is primarily made from some of the world's most prized electric guitars. The unique sound generated by the special kind of hardwood harvested from the lower Mississippi River is in danger of disappearing. Musicians know the wood as swamp ash, used for decades by Fender to build its most sought-after Stratocaster and Telecaster guitars, played by some of the most, uh, world's most famous guitarists from Buddy Holly, Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton to Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders, Hank Marvin of The Shadows. Fender Musical Instruments, based in Scottsdale, Arizona, has had a shortage of the right kind of ash and has forced to stop using the wood in its production lines. Attempts to contain the ash beetle invasion have failed, said Justin Neuville of Fender. It's eating its way through the forest, and ash will be completely gone in a couple of years. Fender had hoped to maintain its supplies from swampier forests of the lower Mississippi, but harvests have been hit by longer periods of flooding than usual, attributed to climate change. We've been racing this beetle, but on the climate change front there are floods. Musicians who swear by the company's swamp ash guitars claim the wood provides what Scientific American magazine is a warm but crystal clear twang. Fender is experimenting with other woods, but wannabe beetles are having to adapt to the threat posed by the hungry beetles. I mean, the key is, I think, for us to fight back against the beetles, uh, not the beetle band, but the actual beetles eating the wood, and eat more beetles. You know, I think we uh, the oppressed should become the oppressor. We need to eat more beetles. Yeah, so last week I told the very sad tale of the uh, Trump Pence sign uh, being disposed of uh, down a riverbank. It was uh, surrounded by weeds, um, uh, scrub, um, and uh, and it just was just left alone to rot and die alone. Um, called up the recycling people, they wouldn't recycle it. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, I have found a use for the uh, Trump Pence signs that cannot be recycled. Wait for it. They could be used for sleds. Sleds, you know, we had a little bit of snow this week and I was thinking about this and I thought, well, you know, I don't have a sled that's quite big enough, but the Trump Pence sign would be, uh, would be fantastic. Um, Trump's extra long ties that he wears could be used to secure you into the treacherous toboggan. And, um, you know, you use it face down, so, you know, face down, use the, uh, the uh, signage, the Trump Pence signs uh, on the bottom, make America great again on the bottom. Um, use that oily snake oil slogan to make you go faster through the snow. It'd be so aerodynamic, you would take the black run in just a couple of minutes here. I think it would be absolutely fantastic. So secure yourself in and uh, ready for a wild ride. Um, just uh, don't let anybody know that you're actually uh, riding the Trump Pence sign. Maybe you could color it in or change it or put stickers all over it or something along those lines.
Uh, so some breaking news from the week. Uh, a Russian meat industry tycoon known as the Sausage King was killed by a crossbow attack at his estate in Moscow. Uh, apparently the sausage skins were not penetrated by the attack. Yes, we have another enigmatic English eccentric. So this is John Mad Jack Churchill. Uh, John Mad Jack Churchill is famous for having gone through World War II armed with a bow and a Scottish broadsword. He is famous for having said, In my opinion, sir, any officer who does not go into action without a sword is improperly dressed. Despite his somewhat eccentric ideas about uh, battle dress, Churchill was a great success in the war, leading guerrilla-style raids on the Germans on the island of Brack. When his team was killed, he ran out of ammo. Churchill stood his ground whilst playing lamentations on the bagpipes, which he also took into battle. Churchill survived the war after escaping a German war camp. I mean, I think anybody playing uh, the bagpipes, whatever they're playing, Scotland the Brave or whatever it is, any army against or behind the front line with those bagpipes would definitely retreat. Bagpipes are not the most elegant of musical instruments, I hate to say to my Scottish friends out there. So, how I talked about in the last few weeks in the podcast that Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, which everybody should watch, uh, how technology and the machines are taking over. Sort of rage against the machines, the machines are raging against us. And um, anyway, so once again, the, um, the, the social dilemma strikes again. And it, uh, and it rings loudly and clearly in my ear, week in, week out. When, um, you know, a few weeks ago, I saw somebody wearing a uh, cricket sweater tucked into a pair of jeans or a tie. Now, nobody other than me, and probably uh, P.G. Woodhouse, uh, would, would ever wear that look or have that attire. But anyway, this is something that, now, now the social dilemma situation and technology is teasing me. Um, it's sort of becoming more schadenfreude. And uh, what happened this week is, so scrolling through the uh, Instagram feeds and, oh dear, it showed me a picture and trying to sell me camouflage baseball caps. And they weren't the right side round. They were the wrong side round. They were back to front. Ah! They are killing me! I can't believe it. It showed me camouflage baseball caps. I would not have been said dead wearing camouflage baseball caps. If you saw me wearing camouflage baseball caps, you'd probably see on my feet a pair of Crocs. All shook up. Why salt and pepper don't always go together. For centuries, salt and pepper has been together on our tables, a fundamental, condimental error, apparently, according to chefs. Why do almost all recipes urge us to sprinkle salt and pepper onto our savoury dishes? Why are salt and pepper shakers coupled together on tabletops like Rogers and Astaire? Salt as an instrumental and essential nutrient enhances the flavour of food because humans are hardwired to crave it uh, to ensure we consume enough. But pepper is a pungent spice with a sharp, hot bite. Should we ever assume that pepper goes with everything? Uh, some sh uh, chefs and food writers think not. Uh, in the acclaimed uh, cookbook by uh, Salmon Nostrat, uh, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, she argues that a good pinch of salt makes everything taste better. Pepper, on the other hand, is a spice. 
and proper spice usage is primarily guided by geography and tradition. Consider whether pepper belongs in a dish before you add it. Private chef uh, Praptil Shalal, who has worked in top restaurants such as Belmont de Manar in Croissant, uh, Gordon Ramsay at Claridge's and Cinnamon Club, agrees. He has long advised chef to think twice about reaching for the pepper pot. It's been driving me mad for years, he says. Seasoning everything with salt and pepper is bizarre because pepper isn't a seasoning. He said, you wouldn't put cumin in everything, so why would you put pepper? Chahel said black pepper with its pungent active uh, uh, compound, piperine, can dominate and spoil other flavours. Taste is subjective, of course, but he believes delicate dishes such as simply cooked fish and sauces are better off without it. And forget applying black pepper to steak before putting it on the grill. It'll just taste burnt. I don't know. I feel the same way. Uh, I, I feel a, a little bit the same way. Um, about hot sauce. I mean, that's something else that's added uh, quite liberally. Now, hot sauce in the right situation is absolutely, uh, absolutely divine. I do like it a dash of that in a green chili stew or something, but people add it to absolutely everything and carry it around in their handbags and their mercers, for God's sake, ladies and gentlemen. So before we uh, get on to scallywag darts, I saw something rather interesting. I was trying to do research on this, but couldn't find anything else. Um, a group of Biden supporters started hoisting baguettes into the air and charging. Um, a few of them were asked what the significance of the bread was, but nobody knew. Someone just started handing them out, and they call it for baguettes for for Biden. The baguette Biden baguette Biden is a fresh and crisp piece of bread. The uh, the, the the Trump version is rather stale, floppy, and soon to be made into breadcrumbs. Um, so, I don't know, baguettes for Biden, uh, for Biden um, does anybody know what it means? Why, why are we waving around? And if you wave a baguette around your head and sling it around your head too much, it, it, it does break apart. It does get flopsy-wopsy and cottontail. Hello there, welcome to some skinny wig Anyway, so we take the most headland, uh, headless, 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 headless heinous crimes of the week, um, and uh, we try to equate it to a game of darts. So we have uh, missing a board, we have the uh, triple 20, bullseye and chirpy special prize. So uh, kicking off uh, this week, um, my fiance wants to get a tattoo of her ex's name right before our wedding. So apparently a, uh, a fiance uh, and a stunt man took to Reddit to ask users whether he was overreacting by telling his fiancée that he would be postponing the wedding if she decided to go through with the tattoo of her ex's name um, on her inside thigh. Um, anyway, so if she does change her mind um, and, uh, you know, and, she, and she decides to go with the tattoo uh, on the inside thigh, you could grow excess hair like Sasquatch to hide the mistake. Um, I mean, but how difficult would it be to graft Yeti hair or Sasquatch hair to cover all sort of indiscretions and blemishes, such as your ex's name on your inside thigh? Hmm. Um, and uh, so uh, probably our bullseye of the week here is Dad's fury over horrible bauble. So um, a lot of people, a lot of Americans say, well, what's a bauble? What do you mean by bauble, chappy? 
Uh, well, the baubles are Christmas decoration. The balls that hang from the Christmas tree. A parent has criticised the store for selling horrible elf Christmas decorations, which feature a, a holiday message that some children uh, might find disturbing. A uh, father claims his young child's Christmas was almost ruined with a recent shopping trip thanks to a bauble. The unnamed Australian man recounted the upsetting experience on Facebook, uh, writing uh, in a group Christmas Mum and Dads. He explained how his child had picked up the elf bauble in a shop called uh, Typho. Uh, and then uh, the, uh, what was very disturbing is the little elf holding up a sign saying, Santa isn't real. Oh dear. Uh, I think the most disturbing Christmas bauble uh, would, would indeed be a Rudy, Ar Rudy Giuliani bauble, um, uh, especially after seeing uh, recently uh, seeing his blue baubles in the Borat movie. Next we have um, an egg fight at Tesco after a woman was told to shush for Remembrance Sunday silence. Um, so apparently uh, an egg fight broke out at the uh, supermarket Tesco's and um, was, uh, everybody was left covered in smashed eggs after a fight broke out between customers over a two minute silence when a wooden, woman wouldn't be uh, silent during the uh, two minutes on Remembrance Sunday. Uh, certainly there was egg over everybody's faces. The organic eggs uh, after the fight proved to be messier with a richer yolk. Um, you know what they could do next time? They could cage them all in evil chicken cages um, for the fight uh, and release the even tempered chickens and let the humans uh, fight it out and smash it out with uh, egg and dirty um get everywhere. Yes, and we have our uh, Chirpy special prize. A chef shares his top trick for stopping sandwiches falling apart inside the lunchbox. Um, there's nothing worse than getting a sandwich out of the lunchbox only to find it's all falling apart. The same goes for biting into it and having all the filling topple out of the sides. But former MasterChef winner claims to have come up with a simple way of preventing this from happening. Uh, Adam Lure from Sydney has shared his top tip for getting a sandwich ingredients to stick together when it comes to preparation. The trick is to quite literally put some weight on top of your sandwiches, a lot of weight on top of your sandwiches before packing it and putting it into the lunchbox. Um, it could actually be a new job for Trump. He could sit on all of the sandwiches to add excess bulk um, to stop the sandwiches falling apart. His influence, uh, his influence didn't stop his businesses falling apart, though. It could be, it could be a way of making America wait again. Uh, or for a toasted cheese sandwich, it could be make America great again. Okay, so some of the stories that didn't quite make it into Skellywig Dots. A uh, con artist conjure up fake genie to dupe doctor into buying $72,000 of Aladdin's lamp. Two men have been arrested after a doctor was conned out of $72,000 for an Aladdin's lamp. It was alleged they conjured up a fake genie to trick their victim, Lahit Khan, uh, into handing over cash uh, in India. Khan said uh, one of the men pretended to be an occultist and make a jinn, a supernatural figure, appear from the lamp. Local media has uh, indeed reported. Um, I actually think Fox News is giving out similar messages as a genie would be appearing uh, from a fake news lamp, uh, Tucker and Hannity, dressed as impish genies. Um, that's what uh, happens when uh, one rubs their lamp a little bit too often. Just ask Rudy Giuliani. Okay, so we have our historical Tinder competition where we look at despots, monarchs, odd politicians, 
uh, odd, odd fancy posh people in in history uh, that um, have uh, maybe had a fate worse than death or had death where the axe swung to the right or the left or maybe they uh, um, you know drunk some sort of love potion um, and uh, survived a fate worse than death and uh, had uh, had an obsession with uh, Nookie or a little bit how was your thought that anyway so in the 19th century the uh, United States was unofficially ruled by Emperor Norton, a San Francisco native who declared himself Emperor of the United States and Protector of Mexico. Emperor Norton's real name was Joshua Abraham Norton, a British national who came to the US in 1849 as a wealthy man, but a string of poor investments soon left him nearly broke. His financial troubles supposedly led him to uh, developing a number of eccentricities and delusions of grandeur. In 1859, he officially declared himself as ruler of, the, ruler of America. Local newspapers originally published Norton's claim as a joke, but he became beloved by San Francisco's locals, who gave him a regal uniform and addressed him in public as Your Highness. Norton spent most of his early reign issuing edicts to dissolve the corrupt U.S. Congress and officially declared himself emperor. Sounds like somebody very, very familiar in recent history, doesn't it? But then his efforts were ignored. He turned to local matters. He was known for strolling through the city streets, inspecting roads and buildings, and he even issued uh, his own money, which was uh, widely accepted by local merchants. Norton was a poor man, but he was allowed to eat in San Francisco's finest restaurants and was given seats to any play that opened. In exchange, he would place himself an imperial seal of approval by the establishment's front door. Norton died in 1880 after collapsing in the street. Grand obituaries were written all over the local papers and his funeral was supposedly attended by 30,000 people. His strangest behaviour, despite his obvious mental problems, Norton uh, often demonstrated remarkable foresight. He proposed that a League of Nations be formed years before the US government considered it. And he decreed that a bridge be built linking Oakland and San Francisco, which eventually became a reality. But this doesn't mean that all his edicts were completely rational. In 1872, he declared that anyone who referred to his fair city by the abominable word of Frisco would be fined a sum of $25. So something in a big question, and obviously my mind wanders into odd little nooks and crannies uh, on occasion. And um, it just was thinking in the week, when you started dating somebody or seeing somebody new, how soon can you actually clip your nails in their bath. Now, you know, my nails grow out like talons or claws, um, or maybe a hippopotamus's hoof. And I, and, I, and I do need something with the strength of a chainsaw to often cut them. And when I cut them, they flick across the room and could be hidden and probably found by archaeologists in hundreds of years' time. So how soon can, should one be allowed to cut one's nails in an, in a new uh, partner, uh, lover, etc. Uh, bath. That is the question um, that's out there, and I, you know, answers on a postcard to Chappy Towers. Is there is there a time? I mean, is there a way of maybe cutting them and being able to flick them into a bucket, and maybe then recycling them, and uh, instead of uh, all, all the heinous crimes of uh, getting tusks, maybe. Uh, Maybe a butler's nails could be made into a necklace or something along those lines. So, have you ever done the dog walking tango with other dog walkers? So, you've got a couple of dogs 
in my case anyway, they're not a fantastic on the leash. I mean, George is pretty good on the leash. Maggie's a puppy, and she uh, likes to weave in and out, in and out, weave in and out, doing almost like a, a letter Z, letter Z, um, when she's doing, uh, when she's walking along here. Um, but other people have the same problems, and I noticed this yesterday that two, um, th th this lady had two white huskies, was walking the dogs, and um, the, the the dogs started stopping and starting, sniffing, looking at each other, twisting around your legs. The leash is going around your legs, nearly tripping you up, and then the uh, ultimate trying to find a poop bag in your pocket where is it did it fall down the in, in, into the lining there's no poop bags here where can i get them from there's none for 100 yards and you're playing it's almost like a dog walking tango dance where people are stopping and starting waiting for somebody else to go and da, 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 da. um and 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 you know maybe the fa most famous dog walking dance of all the foxy dog trot you know i think that's i think we, we will Put that down in the pantheon of time. The most famous, you know, slightly hesitated, stuttery dog dance of all is is, is indeed the uh, the famous famous foxy dog trot. Thank you very much for listening to this rather clumsy, uh, slightly haphazard affair of a podcast. Um, keep coming, cauliflower cheese. So you can follow me on Twitter. Keep coming, cauliflower cheese on Instagram. And uh, I'm on Spotify, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and many, many others. You can find me around. They probably, uh, uh, you can probably find me in some sort of trash can if you lift up the lid and listen closely. You can probably hear the uh, rubbish emanating from the, uh, the, the trash can and uh, the slightly uh, dubious or maybe dulcet tone audio. Um, anyway, we, so we finish with uh, Cold November Night. By Mahone. This lovely music reminds me of you. To me, it's not so odd now more ever than ever. We're growing closer, we're growing strong in God. More than a year now, it seems like forever. You have been here by my side. Come sing with me now. I love your sweet voice. You must not let it hide. I remember that cold November when we were only friends, when you said dry to me, sweet crying eyes, and you made me smile again. It was so appealing, I had this feeling that this was truly right. This is when I flew in love with you on a cold November night. We're talking about God and the ways he shows his face and the way he held us ever close. I could hear amazing grace. Well, I thank the Lord for giving me a special friend like you because it is right to praise the Lord when you find a love that's true. So I thank the Lord for giving me a friend who will never go and thank him again for the chance to say how much I love you so. Thank you very much for joining the podcast. Au revoir. I will see you next week. Thank you very much. And toodles.